0: This is Alfred Hitchcock speaking. In the past, I have given you many kinds of suspense pictures, but this time I would like you to see a different one. The difference lies in the fact that this is a true story, every word of it, and yet it contains elements that are stranger than all the fiction that has gone into many of the thrillers that I've made before. Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the show where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in chronological order, and then I review them. And I've been doing that for, like, almost 50 weeks now. Not quite. Uh, Before starting this recording, I had 10 movies left to watch, but I've, I've watched The Wrong Man from 1956. And that might be the wrong year. Yeah, 1956, starring Henry Fonda and Vera Miles. I've watched it... I've finished it, and now I'm ready to move to November, as this is the last week of October. Happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, It's just a couple days away, I think. Uh, I I honestly don't know, because I'm recording this in in the past, okay? Believe it or not, this is not live, presented to you. I've recorded this before you hear it, and nearly a month beforehand. (sighs) I'm not trying to get off on the wrong foot, but what I am trying to do is get through the wrong man because next month in November, it's the greatest hits month. It's all of Hitchcock's greatest hits back to back to back to back. Are they all good? There's one I know I didn't like. I've seen them all. And the other three I like, but I haven't watched them in years, except for Psycho, which is my favorite movie of all time. I'm sure it still is going to be great. But... I got to get through this. We got to get through the wrong man. And as you heard in the opening, unlike any, and I can't fact check this, but according to everything I've seen, this is the only based on his true story movie from Alpha Hitchcock, And it's not based on a book about it that I know of. It looks like it was just, someone did some fact finding. And from the articles I've read about the real case, this is supposed to be very accurate. And from what I find, in my like almost no research whatsoever. I I went to Wikipedia and I looked it up a couple articles, you know, it took me less than five minutes. So there, that's the peek behind the curtain. And, uh, but from what I can tell, this is definitely a, uh, the, the term that was used in the article I read, uh, from the New York post is painstakingly accurate. Take of that what you will. But the real person who this movie is based on, Manny, Emmanuel. I'm going to try this name. Christopher Emmanuel Manny. uh, And then I don't have his last name in front of me. (sighs) Ballestero. Okay. It's about him. And being called the wrong man. He gets accused in this movie of armed robbery and uh, he is you're never in doubt if he's the right guy or not because they never set it up to be any sort of real suspense there. Uh, I mean the movie's called the wrong man. We know they got the wrong man from the jump from the very beginning uh, but our lead, Mr. Ballastero uh, played by Henry Fonda, is a, a bassist. He they call it the stand up fiddle or whatever the bass fiddle. I don't know. I'm not a music person. I would call it like a bass cello, maybe. I I, I I I'm I'm who knows? Who knows? I don't know. It can't be. No one can figure it out. And he plays this in a band, so he doesn't make a ton of money. And he goes home to his wife, who's experiencing pain with her wisdom teeth. Now they talk about being in debt and getting out of debt and borrowing money. And get this, they're currently less than $50 in debt. Now, granted, this is 1950s money. So this is a pretty poor family. I don't know what $50 is today. From back then. But I still think it would maybe be like... It can't be any more than feeling $1,000 in debt, I would think. Uh, Because he has 6 bucks in his pocket. At one point in this movie. And uh, that's chump change apparently. So I I, I don't think he's more than a $1,000 in debt. And in this day and age. That's not that much. But they have to keep borrowing money for expenses. They borrowed money for a trip. They borrowed money for various things. And now they're borrowing money. To get her dental work done. To do this they are going to borrow against their life insurance. Which I didn't know was a thing. But you can borrow against it. And he goes down with his wife's uh, policy to the insurance place and asks about how much he can get on a loan. Well, the lady behind that counter looks at him like sideways as soon as he walks in the door. And she goes and talks to another person who looks at him sideways. And then they talk to a third person, all of which confirmed that this gentleman had been in here not long ago and robbed this place not once, but twice. He gets positively identified and the police call or they call the police and say, hey, this guy's the one that's been robbing us. We have his information because the knucklehead came in here with paperwork with his name on it, or at least his wife's name. And the police go down there and they don't arrest him right away. But obviously Manny doesn't know his rights because he goes with them. And the whole time he's like, hey, I'd like to talk to my wife. And they're like, no, no time for that. Because Manny is known above all things else being totally punctual. He's known for just always being on time. And so when his wife notices he's late, she knows something's up. Uh, Manny also has a sick dad. His mom is still alive and, uh, you know, he goes and visits them. They humanize Manny pretty well in this movie as they do his wife, who's played by Vera Miles. Now, Vera Miles, we're going to be seeing again in the very near future in Psycho. Now, I don't know. I don't recall. I'm fairly certain she's not North by Northwest, but I can't recall if she's in Vertigo or not. Uh, She might be, but I don't know. Uh, But I could probably find that out. It's not like I don't have the Internet right here. The wrong man was 56. Yeah, so she's not in anything other than Psycho, I do believe. Unless she shows up after Psycho. But I'm pretty sure Psycho was the last thing she did with Hitchcock because they have a whole troublesome past. If you've watched the movie Hitchcock, um, Vera Miles' character... The, the, someone playing Vera Miles is in it. I can't remember the actress. Who, oh, uh, Jessica Biel, I believe, plays... Uh, Her in that movie, and uh, they talk about their relationship. So he's getting questioned, and they do some. Now, I wish I had uh, our good police officer friend, Mark, on this to kind of... I don't know how much detecting he's done, uh, if any, but he knows more about police procedure than I do, and they take this guy in, and I don't believe he's under arrest at this point, so his rights would indicate he could just go home whenever. He doesn't have to cooperate, but he cooperates because he knows he's innocent as an innocent person would do. And they have the note that the actual robber wrote and they ask him, they, they dictate the note. No, he dictate. What is it called when who's dictating, right? The person writing the note or the person saying the note to someone else take dictation. So dictation is a noun. So dictating would be the person writing. Anyway, they have him dictate the note, I hope that's right, and compare the writing to the other one. They say it's kind of similar, but then they have him write it again, and he makes the same word choice error that the robber does. Uh, It says, hey, give me the cash from the drawer, and in the letter that the real robber wrote, he forgets the ER and drawer. And in the letter, the first letter that Manny writes, he writes it correctly. On the second one, he makes the same word choice error. He forgets the E-R in drawer. and just says draw. And this makes them suspicious. Then they do a lineup to verify that this is the guy they're talking about. And it's the the same two people from the... uh from the insurance agency that already identified him and called the police. So they again, positively identified that he's the guy. And then they arrest him and you get this long, like this movie is an hour 45. And there's this long portion here in the middle where you just kind of see Manny go through what someone who's been arrested would go through like all of the procedure. He goes to a, what would be a parole hearing, which lasts about five seconds. And then you, he goes to, uh, some other thing where he's right. He's, he's right before he goes to the jail. He goes up and talks into a microphone and gives some information. And I mean, you really see all the tedious things and he walks around the cell. You get a, a Trail a, a long first-person shot of him following uh, his fellow uh, inmates to their cells for the first time, and I and while I could say that this is boring, and to a degree it is, but it's also sort of poignant and uh, works for me because it shows how much this sucks as an innocent man to be in jail and all the little things that are mundane to these uh, police guards, whatever they're called, you know, correctional officers, uh, such as getting them their clothes, putting them in their cells. For the first time, this guy's going to jail. It's just heartbreaking for him. And it induces stress. And I think the movie does a great job of that. But they do that by taking you through it all. Right? Right? And so he gets to his cell and he's in his cell for like, th- okay, no joke, less than 10 seconds. I was going to say three seconds, probably more than that, right? Uh, and so now, one of the things I forgot to mention how they identify this guy, they had him walk back and forth into various shops that was supposedly robbed by him. And all the people identify, well, I guess that's him. Very convincing. And, uh, you know, so he's in jail. He gets in there. He's in there two seconds and someone has posted bail. So apparently Vera Miles' character, Rose, has gone and gotten another, maybe not loan. It sounds more like a favor to get the money to post bail, which is like several thousands of dollars. It's not the 50-something dollars they're in debt. Several thousands, like 7,500 maybe, which is astronomical when you consider the fact that they are $50 in debt and are not sure how they're going to get out. Well, they do get out, but, and so they begin to get a defense. They get a lawyer who believes Manny is innocent and they go to a hotel to get some intel to basically to establish their alibi for one of the dates that the robberies took place. The problem is there's these three guys there that he saw. Two of them are dead and one of them they can't find. And and the stress of all of these things going wrong have Rose, Manny's wife, she has a nervous breakdown. And this happened to the real Rose in real life. Uh, Now, in this movie, there is a, a final crawl that says Rose got better, essentially. But my understanding of the articles I've read is that, yes, she was... Better, but not cured. Okay, the movie uses the word cured, but apparently this very much affected her for the remainder of her days, and in in turn affected Mandy. So the lawyer, whose name is uh, Frank O'Connor, I think, or Mr. O'Connor, is th- their defense, right? And so you get a little bit of courtroom proceedings of people identifying... Uh, Manny as the guy who robbed the place pretty, pretty consistently, like it's pretty damning evidence because when you have several eyewitnesses who are willing to testify in court that this is the guy, it's pretty damning. And in real life, now I didn't see anything about the trial, so I don't know how accurate that is, but in real life, that's what happened in the sense that this is another gentleman who looks kind of like him is the person who's the robber. So they're going through this and every, like the jurors are so convinced that this is a robbery, that this, that Manny is guilty, that one of them stands up and says, do we really need to sit through all this? Which, okay, all right. I've been in, uh and I like to bring it up. You know, I do. I've been in uh, the courtroom setting and the juror and everything is so structured and very respectful. You know, you don't stand up in the middle of a court and just say whatever you want. Like, this guy was so impatient that he stood up and said this. I, and it's based on a real happening. Someone said something from the jury that indicated that they believed he was guilty, which caused a mistrial. That guy was so ready to leave. And I know that, and, and back in those days, his job probably didn't pay him to be there. He was probably living off of what now we get is like 15 bucks a day. Back then, it was probably a buck a day, if that. And he's living off of that. So I feel for him. I get it. But you know better than this. He does it. There's a mistrial now. So now what happens, and he tells Manny that his attorney is like, we're going to do this all over again, but we still have a strong case. And this just really deflates Manny, even to the point where he says, it's probably just be better if I were called guilty. I don't want to go through this again. And uh sad thing is, is that Rose is in a sanitarium or uh, institution, as they call it, uh, and she has lost it completely. Uh, she at one point hits uh, Manny in the head with a brush, causing him to bleed in a, what is a really effective scene. It's really good, um, where she just kind of has this nervous breakdown. And where to the point she's like, I don't know if I trust you. And I, she starts, she gets paranoid and just has a mental issue. Now, nowadays, I think we probably have better uh, awareness of mental illness and how to treat it and mental health that she would probably be able to find better help today. But back then, you go to an institution and Nurse Ratchet is there and, you know, that's what happens. Not really. The nurse there seems very kind the real robber is still out and about right and he decides it's time to do more robberation that's a noun wait is robbery a noun is robberation a verb Robberation's is not a word so he decides it's time to rob a ham store literally robbing a deli he goes into the deli he's like give me a pound of ham and the deli lady goes behind the counter And he has his finger in his jacket. I don't know. They never established whether he really has a gun or not. And he points it at her. And he's like, this is a gun. Give me the money from the cash drawer. I love this lady. She grabs a knife from under the counter. And she's like, no. And she stomps her feet twice. Her husband comes out. He grabs him. They pin him to the ground. She calls the cops. He goes to jail. They bring in the same people who have put Manny through all of this. And they identify this new robber is definitely the new robber. Now, according to what I hear, he confesses to it, and his plan was, should uh, poor Manny be convicted, he would confess to the crime. I don't believe that. If he really wanted to do something, he would have done it before now. I just don't buy that, as far as the real human being goes. So, now, good news. Everything's great. Manny is off. He's off scot-free, he goes home, and in real life he sues the government and he sues the state and he sues the insurance office and he sues them for a half a million dollars. Of which he gets $7,000. He later sells the rights to his story to be made into a movie, this movie we watched, for $22,000. So he's doing okay. But the problem is, As he goes back to the the sanitarium, Rose is there, and she's still just totally gone. And he talks to her, and she acknowledges him. And various times, she says, well, that's good for you. You can go now. Like, she doesn't even want to be bothered. She's so broken by this. They have two children that she doesn't seem to care about anymore because she's in a mental state not to. Well, he leaves, and then we get this crawl that says that she left just two years later, which I do believe to be true. And they say she was cured, which again, regardless of whether she was cured of whatever diagnosis she had, this affected both her and Manny for the rest of their lives. Now, Manny was actually alive to see the movie. He saw this movie about himself, which is pretty cool. Uh, And he said he liked it. Um, So it's pretty cool to have... Alfred Hitchcock, regardless of how you feel about him, but at the time, probably the biggest director, make a movie about you. And again, this is his only true story. Now, do is this movie good? Yeah, it's good. Is this movie worth watching? No, it's fine. I mean, it just... It drags. It's, it tells the story at a slow burn. And there are parts where that slow burn makes sense. And it's evoking that emotion, that point where he's in jail. And he's going through all of the routines. I think it's very effective. But the rest of it just feels kind of slow. And there's there's some court drama, but not a lot. And I I just think, even though this is based on a true story. And I think this is why a lot of true stories get sort of punched up a bit. And I don't think this one was punched up. It was intended to be as accurate as possible. And I think that hurts the movie, but it's good for the integrity of the film. I think the performances are great. Henry Fonda is really good. Vera Miles is really good. Uh, and that's about, I mean, there's there's a, so several police officers who do a good job of acting. I wanted to punch all of them, but, and that's the thing, the whole procedure, you see everything that Manny goes through, the questioning, Uh, All the points where it goes wrong for him as an innocent man. And the police reiterate to him several times, if you're an innocent man, you have nothing to worry about. But he clearly does, even as an innocent man, because the justice system can make mistakes and it is flawed. But here he is, an innocent man trying to cooperate. And uh, like I was saying, and I think they tried to be as accurate as possible, which hurt the way the story is told in the film, but that's real life, man. And that's The Wrong Man, Man, by Alfred Hitchcock, 1956. Two months left of Hitchcock chronologically. Buddy boy, I'm so excited and I just will not hide it. Next week is Vertigo, starring old pal Jimmy Stewart. And uh, it's a big one. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of people consider Vertigo to be his best film. I personally prefer Psycho. But Vertigo um, stars Jimmy Stewart. Kim Novak uh, came out in uh, 1958, two years later. So uh, I am I looking forward to this one? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember a thing about it. It's it's not stuck in my memory. Obviously, Psycho, I know everything about. I've seen it a thousand times. But North by Northwest, there's more scenes in my head that I remember. There's barely anything about Vertigo that I remember, except that he's scared of heights. So um, we're going to watch that next week. And uh, if everything works out, I should have a guest as well, but I'm not going to promise it because if thing, you never know, man. You never know. You can reach out to me at HitchcockChronologically at gmail.com. Check me out on Twitter, Podcast by Jeff, at Podcast by Jeff, I should say. Also my other podcasts, Budget Arcade, where we review free-to-play video games and the movie Draft House, where Mark and I draft movies based on a theme and then review them. And next month, October is psychological horror month, so it'd be a good time to dive in and uh, watch me cry as I watch movies that are too scary for me. Anyway, I want to thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.